Welcome to our DSM Hollywood podcast series. The following is an excerpt from Dr. Daniel Sherstad's weekly online Bible study for those in the entertainment industry, along with those who have a passion to see the kingdom of God revealed in Hollywood. For more information about DSM Hollywood, including upcoming events and how to join in on our Bible studies, please visit www.dsmhollywood.com. We're so glad you have tuned in, and we're grateful for the privilege to help you grow in your holy calling in Christ Jesus. Before you listen, I encourage you to grab your Bible and set your heart in expectancy to receive from the Lord, knowing that His heart is for you to grow in knowing Him and to grow in walking with Him. Here tonight is I want to talk about uh, from a practical standpoint, just using the story of of Mary and the, the birth of Jesus and how to how to birth our own personal promises and our own personal dreams, our own personal uh, destinies. Each and every one of us, God has dropped a seed, uh, <clears throat> His dream. The reality is, when you came into this world. Um, he dropped that seed into when you were created. And in that seed, from your very get-go, was literally the blueprint of God's dream for your life. And, uh, and so I want to just talk about a little bit about that. But, you know, the Gospel of Luke, uh, he, he, uh, I love the, that Gospel. I love how he talks about uh, in great detail uh, about the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And um, he says in chapter 1, he, 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 he writes to, he says that he's writing to Theopolis, but as you study the scriptures, there is no one in his writings, whether it's Luke or the book of Acts, anything that he wrote that uh, any person by the name of Theopolis, the word Theopolis actually means the lovers of God. So most biblical scholars believe that that's what he's referencing, that when he writes his gospel, he's, he's talking about all believers. He's writing this to the lovers of God, those that are madly in love with Jesus Christ. And he writes that he says that he put this gospel together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit in, in doing a couple of different things. Number one is that he, he used as a reference point the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Mark. And then he says that he, he interviewed all kinds of people, the different disciples, most likely Mary, the mother of Jesus herself. Um, he interviewed and spent times all the years that he spent with the apostle Paul, traveling with Paul and recording everything that Paul, Silas, and Barnabas did. And then interviewing them all through those years and all of their experiences. And then getting, you know, the apostle Paul says, um, when he's talking about um, Jesus Christ talking about, especially in the context of uh, receiving communion, the Last Supper, he talks about that I received this personally from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that which the Lord had shown up to Paul to share, Paul now shares that personally with Luke. And then in the Aramaic language, it reads like this, that the Lord actually showed up to Luke personally and authorized him to write the Gospel of Luke. And so he says that he gave this detailed investigation. And that's, uh, that word investigation is fascinating because it's actually the Greek word for autopsy. And, uh, and I find that fascinating because Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. 
And so he uses the word on purpose. I went into this detailed autopsy of the birth, the life, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And he said, under the inspiration, he said, I wrote this. And you'll see that he did. His gospel is the most detailed. And so, and first of all, let me just review. We talked a little bit about this last week, but in Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, you have been found to be highly favored, anointed with high favor. And I want to just mention that because that Greek word for high favor there is only used one other time in the entire New Testament. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1 when Paul is talking about the church and he's talking about all of those that are in Christ Jesus. They have, because they're in Christ Jesus, they're the high, they have been anointed with this high favor. So what it's saying is that the same level of favor that was upon Mary is upon you tonight. Come on now. You ought to get excited about that because that means that uh, the dream that's in your spiritual womb, your heart, the seed, that thing that God dropped in there, and it comes by the overshadowing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit our whole lives. I say it like this. I know a whole lot of churches, you know, after reading a certain man's book, you know, their, their whole motto was that we're a presence-driven church. And I said, well, you got, you got, you got the cart before the horse. Um, you, we are not a, a pur purpose-driven, excuse me, they're not a, pur a purpose-driven church. We're not a purpose-driven people. We are a presence-driven people. Because I promise you, if you allow your life, your ministry, your call, whatever it may be, uh, to be driven by the presence of the Holy Spirit, you will, without even trying, fulfill your purpose. That's just the way the Holy Spirit. And so G Jesus was all about being driven and led by the Holy Spirit. And as, he, as we, like Mary, allow the presence, the manifest, tangible, anointed presence of the Holy Spirit to overshadow us, it's in that the things start coming alive. It's in that that the Word of God is sown by the anointing of the Holy Spirit into our spiritual wombs. And then we have got to be willing to say like, a, like Mary, because the angel says to Mary, now listen, because uh, she says, well, how is that even possible for that to happen? I, I'm unmarried. She's just a 14-year-old girl. When you study church history and, and, uh, and Hebrew culture, you'll find that she was only 14 years old old, unmarried, and, and uh, this incredible, incredible visitation from the angel Gabriel. And, uh, and so he says to her, don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be overcome by the fear that you're feeling on the inside or overcome by how you can't figure it out with your intellectual mind. He says, he said, the, the high favors upon you, you're going to be overshadowed. And he said, by the way, your aunt Elizabeth who he was called barren in her old age, has miraculously is now pregnant in her old age. And then the Gabriel says, now Mary, you've got to understand, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And here's the, the awesome thought about that. That word nothing is two words, no thing. And the word thing is the actual Greek word for rhema. It means rhema. No rhema word from God. 
no freshly spoken word from God shall be impossible. The word Greek word for impossible literally reads without power. So it literally reads like this in the Greek language. No freshly word spoken by God dropped into your spiritual womb. It never comes without self-fulfilling power. Come on now, grab a hold of that. That's why you got to be in his presence, hear his voice. He'll drop a freshly spoken word or promise into your heart. And it, God says, every freshly word, fresh word that I speak to you, it automatically comes with self-fulfilling power. It has to happen. And the only thing that will slow it down or cause it not to happen is if we don't respond like Mary, we don't say yes. Come on now, to the will of God. We don't say amen. She said, let it be, let it be done to me everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, all the consequences of a 14-year-old girl being impregnated. Come on now, nobody believing that thinking that she was, has literally fornicated, she's, in, she's engaged, mm, the engagement lasted for one year, if she was unfaithful, they would stone every girl that was unfaithful uh, during that engagement year kind of thing, and so now she is literally an, at the risk of being stoned, rejected, put away by Joseph, God intervenes, People are talking about her. Even after she gives birth to Jesus, they're talking about that he's a bastard. He's an illegitimate child kind of thing. And and poor Joseph having to put up with this as she walked down the street with her little toddler holding uh, her hand, whispers, all kinds of stuff being said behind her back. She said yes to all of that, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the persecution, all of the name blame, uh, game, all of the names saying, I'm going to, no matter what people say about me, no matter how they misunderstand me, I say, amen. Let it all happen to me. Let it all, whatever God wants to happen, let it all happen to me. Jacqueline <clears throat> wrote a book. I talked about it last week and uh, it, it's entitled, Say Yes to God, right? Say yes to Jesus, yeah, awesome book. I told her to bring some copies tonight and because uh, I want you all to buy one, okay? I want you to bless Jacqueline. Come on now, I want you, this book is powerful. That book will help you to understand the process of saying every promise is what? Yes and amen. God says yes to every promise, every promise, not some of them, every promise in this book God has already said yes to. You don't need to talk them into it. It's already a done deal. All you got to do is say, come into agreement with it and say amen to it. And once you do that, come on now, get up. So I'm talking about number one is if you want to see the dream, come on now, the, the promise. Mm, that, and it may be in the form of a baby on the inside of you. If you want to see, to give birth out of your spiritual womb and see that thing manifest in your life, you're going to have to be like Mary, mm, spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to uh, then say yes to everything, to the whole journey, whatever that may look like, say yes to all of it. And then you're going to have to do what Mary does, get up and go and help somebody else. 
Come on now. She got up and she spent her, her, where she lived in, in Nazareth to where uh, Elizabeth lived was approximately 100 miles in the hill country. She traveled 100 miles to her aunt's house. Come on, to f- not just simply say, well, she went there to, you know, to be encouraged and to receive a confirming word about what God had done in her life. I- I'm sure that was the case, but I want to suggest to you tonight that, that she went there And the main purpose of going there was to bring a confirming word to Elizabeth. Come on now. And so Elizabeth is carrying now John the Baptist six months in, come on, in her womb now. And yet she's heard what Gabriel said about John the Baptist, right, and what he was going to do as it relates to preparing the way for the Messiah. So she's heard that. Gabriel told Zechariah, Zechariah told um, uh, Elizabeth, let me remind you, Zechariah means the Lord has remembered. Elizabeth means God's holy covenant. John means the gift of grace. When you put all three of those names together, it means God has remembered his holy covenant and given you the gift of grace. And so when, uh, so here she is, she's carrying the gift of grace on the inside of her, but uh, she's not, you know, she's, she's wondering, she's wondering. And it isn't until Mary shows up through the front door that at that moment that John is literally filled with the Holy Spirit, is jumping and dancing in her womb at six months old, just like Gabriel said that would be. And the reason was at six months in the womb, he recognized by the spirit by his spirit that his very purpose for existence just walked in the room and he got excited for the first time in his life and it confirmed to Elizabeth that what she was carrying was real come on now and that her little boy was going to be great and powerful powerful prophet of God Uh, I want to suggest to you as you leave here tonight go out you want the baby on the inside of you to leap and jump? Go make somebody else's baby leap. Go make somebody else's come on, baby slash dream slash promise in their spiritual womb. You go make their dream become a reality. Help them to do that. God says, if you'll be faithful with somebody else's dream, somebody else's ministry, I'll make yours happen. Come on now. It's a law of the kingdom that happens every time. So as we jump into uh, Luke chapter 2 here, it says here that, uh, that the angel showed up, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that it says here that in the days of C- the emperor, uh, the Roman Empire, and the emperor Caesar Augustus, that he decreed, he decreed something, that there should be this sentence taken throughout the empire, and, uh, and this is the first time this ever happened. I find it fascinating that, that the uh, Roman emperors they believed themselves to be gods. And uh, they, they believed and taught everyone that they carried and, and was able to manifest godlike powers. And yet the emperor of the Roman Empire could not find or kill one baby. Come on now. Because when it's real, it's authentic, it's genuine. You can't kill the real thing. Come on now. If your dream on the inside, I don't care what people say, I don't care what they do, doesn't matter what comes against you, if you got a genuine word from the Lord, nothing can stop it. 
Come on now. All you got to do is just keep on saying amen. Let it happen. Lead God. Direct me. May the grace and the power and the favor of God that's on me in Christ Jesus lead and guide me step by step every day into the fullness of that dream for God's glory and God's honor. So in this, this census, now I want to take a moment here and I want to read Isaiah 9, 6. It says here, you all know this verse, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son has been given, and the government of God shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of his peace there shall be no end, and he shall sit upon the throne of David forever and forever. So um, two years ago, that, that verse jumped out at me. I gotta, I've been doing this for 35 years, pastoring and preaching, teaching, that's all I've done haven't done anything else for 35 years straight full-time and for the first 33 years of my life I never really understood the fullness of Isaiah chapter 9 6 when I when I would read that the government was upon his shoulders I was like I said two years ago to the Lord I said I don't even really understand what that really means kind of thing and the Holy Spirit started opening up my spirit and the eyes of my inner man and I began to understand that the that there was an actual real government that actually runs the kingdom, come on now, or the, come on, the place called heaven. Come on now, there's an actual real government that actually runs the real nation called heaven. Nation is a heaven, it's a real kingdom, and there's a real government that runs that. And so Jesus who came as the second Adam and the last Adam, when he came, he came with the actual government that runs his nation, he brought it back to the earth. Come on now. And so that's why it says that in, in, in Matthew chapter, when, when Peter gets this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, he says, who do men say that I am? He and Peter says that you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon that revelation of who I am, and then upon the revelation of who you are, Peter, in me, I'm the big Gibraltar rock, you're the little rock inside the rock. So upon the revelation of who I am and who you are in Christ Jesus, he said, upon that, I'm going to build my ecclesia. The word ecclesia is not church. It has nothing to do with a religious system. It is literally translated out of the Greek language, legislative assembly. That's how it's literally. And that word ecclesia was only used in Greek literature as it relates to governments and politicians. It was never, ever, one time ever used within the context of a religious system. So when Jesus intentionally chose the word ecclesia, he was not talking about a religious system or what we call a, a, a religious church here today. Uh, he was talking about, I am building a legislative assembly like Congress, senators, the White House, three legislative assemblies who literally have the government of God in their hands and they decide what is lawful and what is unlawful in our nation. And Jesus said, I want to build my own legislative assembly that literally in Christ actually bring the government of my nation called heaven to the earth, come on now, and execute that as the legislature. That's why in the next verse he says, whatever you bind 
or determine that is lawful, come on now, in the earth, that's the way it's going to be. What's not going to be lawful is that's the way it's going to be. He's talking about legislative assembly, governmental power that he called his people that are in Christ to function with. So we're here to establish the, the nation of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and the government, the actual government that runs his nation here on the earth. And that's why the Bible says that when this thing is all over, every government and every nation shall become his government. And his government will rule and reign over every nation on this planet when it's all said and done. And so, for that to happen, you, number one, you've got to understand what I just said. Number two, you've got to begin... And the book of Job says, if you understand the authority that you have, you can decree a thing and I will establish it. I, but you've got to decree a thing. Have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the executive agent of the Godhead, never executed any power until Jesus actually said something? Come on now. Come on. The Father is the one who creates all the thoughts. Jesus is the spoken word. He speaks the thoughts of God the Father, and the Holy Spirit executes them. Well, Jesus is not on the earth. The Father is not on the earth. The, the Holy Spirit is on the earth in you. Come on now. Come on. He's not out there in outer space. He's inside of you. Come on now. You live under a perpetual open heaven. Stop singing songs about God trying to open up the heaven. Once the heavens were open and Jesus came out of the water, they never shut. Come on now. They're only shut over your life if you believe they're shut. But if you believe that you live under an open heaven now because you're in Christ, how can the heavens close up over Christ? Come on, it's impossible. So if you're really in Christ, that means you live under a perpetual, ongoing, never-ending, open heaven right there and that means that you have the power and the authority to execute and once you decree something god says i'll establish it in the earth just like i did with jesus you're the body of christ on the earth who's supposed to be decreeing things jesus didn't pray lord father heal that person he said be healed and when he decreed something the holy spirit executed it <clears throat> we have to decree something Right here, I want to use this illustration here. When the emperor, the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus, made a decree, everything started to move in the empire. Everything. Whether you wanted to move or not, you had to go because somebody who had governmental legislative power and understood who they were, they understood that when they make a decree, everything shifts. Everything begins to move. If you and me in this last days understood who we were really in Christ Jesus and really understood the authority that we have, come on now, and the government that's backing us up, when we stand up, come on now, as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, come on now, when you're an ambassador in an African nation, my grandfather was a missionary in Liberia, West Africa for 12 years. He planted 70 churches that are still going on to this day. Here we are. That was back in the 40s. Um, he built a Bible college. The men that he led to the Lord that became the pastors went through his Bible college. That are pastors. Their sons and their grandsons are pastoring those churches now to in this day right here. And, uh, and so... <clears throat> Here in that, in that African nation there, um, 
uh, that the, the legacy is still going on, but my grandfather understood apostolic authority and literally decreed things, and it's still happening now today. Governmental authority, come on now, being released. So when you understand, hmm, uh, decree. My, my, my friend, Dr. Clyde Rivers, I, just, I was just with him. He was just, uh, uh, he was just crowned king um, in the nation of Ghana just uh, two weeks ago. He was there, had this incredible ceremony, and uh, he showed me the pictures of it kind of thing. And he is the, over the development nation of the king. They have multiple kings that are under the main king. And so he became a king under this king. But he was talking to me all about when the king makes a decree, everything in the kingdom begins to move. No, but whether you want to move or don't want to move, you begin to move. That's the power of a decree from a, somebody who understands who they are and the authority that they carry. I'm not wondering. So when I decree things, come on now. When I stood up in South Africa and I decreed that it was going to rain inside the building, come on now, as a sign from the Lord that God was going to end the drought in, South, in Cape Town, South Africa, five days later in a conference called Open Heaven, the rain came through the building, come on now, right on cue over all of the pastors in the front row. That's the only way. It rained like just perfect round drops coming out. It perfectly spaced one foot between each other, literally across the front row. And it came and it literally, the rain, like an anointing, anointed all of these pastors that were at the conference. And then it stopped, but you could hear the rain and the thunder still happening outside. So it started on cue and then it stopped on cue because somebody, come on now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I got up and I decreed that this shall happen as a sign from God. Will you understand the authority that you have, the power? Sunday morning there, uh, we prayed for someone at the church who had this incredible negative diagnosis from the doctor. This lady was weeping. <clears throat> we prayed over and took authority and dominion over that sickness and disease. The very next day, she woke up instantaneously healed and, come on, I slept through the night pain-free. Everything shifted in one moment because somebody understands the authority. You decree something, come on now, I will establish it. Do you think a, a, a young lady by the name of Mary who has, I don't know, man, eight months pregnant wants to get on a donkey and drop, come on now, and go 65 miles to Bethlehem? I don't think so. Why did they do that then? Because somebody made a decree with authority, with the government backing them up. Come on now. If you leave here tonight understanding the authority and who you are in Christ. So they make this, 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 this place, they make this, this, this journey to Bethlehem. By the way, Bethlehem means the house of bread, but it also can be translated the house of the warrior. Mm. The house of bread, the house of the warrior, the city of David. By the way, uh, Gabriel said that Jesus would be called the son of David. Have you ever thought about that? Why would God say that Jesus would be the son of David? You know why? Because his heart was perfectly for the Lord. He was far from, man, that guy 
committed premeditated murder, adultery, wicked, wicked stuff. In some states, he would be dead already if he was living today. He'd be dead. He'd be in heaven already kind of thing. That's how he, he was far from being perfect. But his heart was perfect before the Lord. And God said, I love that young man's heart so much that you know what I'm going to do? David, I'm going to allow my son to be called your son. Let that just drop into your heart tonight. Selah. Because of one man's perfect heart that said when he was confronted with what was going on in his life, he didn't blame anybody else. He didn't blame his wife, his husband, his children, his boss, his friends. He said, no, it's me. I'm the guy that Nathan the prophet was talking about. And he said, yeah, that's, that's the kind of heart that I'm looking for. And because your heart is so tender before me, David, and that you care more about my presence, all the days of Saul, he never went after the Ark of the Covenant and took it back from the Philistines. But as soon as David became king, that's the very first thing he did. We got to get the presence of God back in the camp. The presence is what it's all about. Mm, the presence of God. Uh, you love my presence so much, David. I'm going to allow my son to actually be called your son. I'm just going to bless you with that. The house of bread, the house of the warrior, Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus fulfilled that. Come on now. When he died upon the cross, on the hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. You know why it was called the place of the skull? Because that's the place where the head of Goliath was buried. You remember the story when David took down Goliath? He cut off his head and he took it back to Jerusalem and he buried it in that hill. And it became known as the place where the skull of Goliath, Golgotha, Goliath, they come from the same exact word. Golgotha, Goliath, the very skull of Goliath was buried in the hill of Golgotha. And as Jesus hung his feet, hung over the skull of Goliath himself, come on now, as a prophetic metaphor of the prophecy that God spoke that the heel, the foot of the, my son will crush the head of Satan himself. He did that. He literally became, he crushed the head that day on the cross and became Come on now, he was the great warrior who conquered all and became the bread of life as he was resurrected. He fulfilled everything that was spoken of him. They get there in the city of Bethlehem, and it says that as she gives birth, by the way, uh, there was no ends in Bethlehem. I'm just going to stomp all over a few myths here. I know we like the little pictures and the little cards, and, but the, Bethlehem was so small that it was 
way too small to even have a Holiday Inn, Ramada, come on now, come on, Hilton's, they didn't have any of that nonsense going on. There was no such thing as inns. When people came to visit, they would usually stay in the top level of one of their relatives' house. And remember now, all of the relatives of David, all of the relatives of Mary, their whole lineage is all from Bethlehem. So they're all traveling as a caravan to Bethlehem kind of thing. And so by the time they get there, there was no place, no upper room in any of their relatives' houses for them to stay. The lower part of a house was, was used as a workplace or a workplace like kind of like a, a like a, where they'd have workbenches and stuff like that, where they would build stuff. And then if some of the animals were weak or frail or sick, they would bring them into that lower part of the house and they would have a built-in manger feeding trough that was made out of stone, not wood, made out of stone, and it was built into the house there. And as soon as myself, we've been there, we've literally seen them. And so... Uh, and so uh, that's where Jesus was put. He was literally wrapped in swaddling clothes. Swaddling is what they made candles out of. You ever see in movies when they have the torches, the torches and they, they take the, the, the white thing and they wrap it around the torch? And that's swaddling right there. So Jesus is wrapped in swaddling because he is the light of the world. Come on now. And then he's laid into a feeding trough because he is the bread of life. And here's the fascinating thing is that when the angel shows up to these shepherds in these hills taking care of these sheep here... Uh, <clears throat> It says there, and by the way, most biblical scholars believe a couple of things. Number one, that it was either the, it was the field of Boaz that they were in, or it was the same field that David was tending sheep in kind of thing, or it was the place where they kept all of the sacrificial lambs kind of thing. But here's the thought. When the angel comes and tells the shepherds, y'all want you to go into Bethlehem, you're going to find the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Christ, the anointed one. He's going to be wrapped in these swaddling clothes, and he's going to be laying in this feeding trough or this manger. That's, that never happened. Nobody, you don't put babies in there. But what they did do, what shepherds did do, is that when, they, when there was the lambs that came and they were set apart for sacrifice, they had to have no blemishes, no bruises, no broken bones. They would take them when they were born, they would take them and they would put all kinds of straw in these feeding troughs and they would put them in that feeding trough so that it would, the, the straw would protect and then they would be surrounded so they couldn't move so they couldn't hurt themselves. So the sacrificial lambs were put, they were the only ones that were laid in feeding troughs in preparation for the sacrifice. So when, that, when the angel tells the shepherds who did that for a living that if they go to Bethlehem, they're going to find the Lamb of God, who takes away all of the sin of the world, come on, in the same place where the, real, the, the actual sacrificed lambs were put, that was going to be the sign. It was a sign and a wonder to them. That it boggled their mind that, that that would take place, and yet they looked, and they looked, and they looked, and they found Jesus. They told Mary and Joseph all of the things that the angel had said and how the whole army of God, the whole angelic army of God had showed up and they're singing praises unto God, <clears throat> singing the you know, that this, this joyous message of hope has entered the world. Come on now, that peace has come to the earth. 
Not peace that there's not going to be, there's going to be a lack of, uh, a lack of wars and stuff like that. But he was talking about as far as God the Father was concerned, the war between man and him was over. Because the sacrificial lamb was born into the earth realm. So God decrees prophetically, mm, peace has come between me and all who will receive my son now and forevermore. Powerful, powerful, powerful. So they receive the message into their hearts. And this is the last thought I want to leave with you here tonight. Is that Mary took all of the words that were prophetically spoken to her by these shepherds that came from the angel again to her and she dropped these words of encouragement and strength and hope into her heart her spiritual womb and it says that she pondered on these things and she meditated on these things as they as jesus is growing up and all the stuff that came with having a perceived illegitimate child on a daily basis is coming at her. She's pondering. She's meditating. She's going over. Come on now. Guard your heart with all vigilance and diligence for out of your heart or your spiritual womb flow all of the issues the Hebrew word is borders, not issues, borders. <clears throat> Solomon is saying in Proverbs chapter 4, the borders of your life are determined by how you control what's coming in and out of your spiritual womb. It's up to you. God's not controlling how big the borders are. You're controlling them. If you don't like what's happening, change what's coming out of your heart. That's what he's saying there. She pondered. She dropped them in. She would meditate and bring them up. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Man, things are getting rough. Things are getting tough. We're on the run. We're spending years in Egypt. We're trying to, people are trying to murder my son. All kinds of people are talking behind our back kind of thing. Nobody really wants to be our friends. The relatives, they don't believe a word that, that what, what's taking place. They can't hardly believe that Joseph still wants to be married to this girl. All of that. She's bringing it up. This is what the Lord said. This is what Gabriel said to me. This is what the angel told the shepherds. Mm. She kept on bringing it up, going over it and over it and over it and over it again until she saw the complete and total fulfillment of what was spoken over <clears throat> Jesus. I don't know exactly what dream you have here tonight. I know many of you, most of you in this room are in the industry. You have a dream. God's trump. You are gifted. You are talented. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I heard 
My brother back there, he sang the other night. My God, he brought the house down. Crazy talent and gift. All of you, very talented, very gifted. <clears throat> Beyond. It takes more than just talent. It's going to take the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take your heart being protected. It's going to take you opening up your mouth out of the abundance of your mouth, Jesus said, you will speak. Death and life, Proverbs says, are in the power. The Hebrew word is not power, it's hand for tongue. Right there, so he says, death and life is in the hand. Right here. Right here, the power, your tongue is the power of God. Your tongue is the hand that reaches into the realm of the spirit and grabs a hold of God's prophetic promises and pulls it. If you'll decree a thing, then I'll establish it for God's glory and honor. Somebody say amen. 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 You received that tonight? Amen. Hallelujah.